0: Welcome back to our two sets with me, Nicole.
1: Uh, and me, Ben.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes, it's ladies night and it feels all right. We got drinky poos and we're ready to talk about the bits, Then should,
1: should we talk about the drinks we're having?
0: Oh, my gosh, you guys, we did some mixology, some science, if you will. <laughs>
1: it was a very intense mixology. It was really
0: intense, Uh, We created a drink. Well, we didn't create this. We made this drink after I found it on the interwebs, where all good things come from, as you know. Uh, And this is uh, equal parts Merlot, red wine, and cream soda. It's true. Could be good. Could be gross. We're not telling you. You should go try it and make it yourself. Cheers. Cheers. Yay. It's it's, all
1: good. The wine. Hmm? Huh? Is a little interlude to what we're going to be talking about, isn't it?
0: The wine is an interlude to what we're going to be talking about.
1: I don't go to church often, but they drink Uh, wine.
0: Yes, 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 yes. One of us goes to church.
1: One of us does not.
0: Oh, can you guess? (laughs) (laughs) Wild guess. Just shoot in the dark here.
1: I thought all day about this.
0: Yes, that was a good connection. Thank you. That's all
1: I put together for this podcast.
0: (laughs) A fever dream of you Googling, like, what do they do in church? Wine? I was
1: there. (laughs) I used to go.
0: Yeah, you did. Well. Once upon a long time ago. We'll define go. Yeah. Well, this is true. There is wine drinking in church, but not of the variety that we are doing, sir, because uh, what you're describing is a Eucharist. And that is a holy thing. A Eucharist? The Eucharist is the bread and the And the, and blood. the blood. Yeah, the wine. Bread and yeah. the wine. The, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah, he
1: had a little wine and a little
0: <laughs> Go on. Cream, cream soda, right? Yes. I'm sure Jesus would love this drink. It's fun, and he loves fun.
1: So how does that match up with our podcast? Today?
0: Well, then I'm glad you asked, because I've been doing my research about the bits. Yes. Have I told you about this book that I found? No, Nicole, tell me more. OK, then listen. So <laughs> this book is called Thank God for Bitcoin. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, oh, my gosh, is it just like a TGIF, but for Bitcoin or like a, you know, a slogan, something cute. But no, it's a cool book that connects um Basically, our history of money, our connections to money, um, also on a spiritual level, it's almost like, who are those like televangelists or like those like Christian people who are like, let me tell you how to manage your money and be close to the Lord. But this book is better because it's Bitcoin (laughs) and not dirty, awful, gross fiat money. Wow. Which I learned about in this book, fiat money. Look at me. I drink bougie drinks and I say things like fiat money. What is fiat uh, did,
1: they, did they define it in?
0: They just start. I only read the first two chapters. <laughs> and they're going to talk more about fiat money in the third chapter. Oh, is that when they
1: talk more about we're it? We're
0: only going to talk about the first two chapters, they've been, because I don't think we would have time to talk. Obviously, we would be able to talk about a whole entire book. So, my friends, if you want to listen to us digest and discuss this book, we're going to do it like in a couple of parts, maybe a few chapters each time until we get all the way through this selection. Sure. Think of it like a book club. We're like fun moms. We're drinking our red wine cocktail and we're reading books.
1: Started the book club out of nowhere.
0: We're cool moms. Yeah, I thought
1: it'd be a good book for you.
0: Yay, thank you. I think it's a great book. I'm really enjoying it so far. So let's dive into a discussion, shall we, Ben? We shall. Okay, the first two chapters are what we're talking about. Yes, yes, we're on the same page. No book pun intended. Um, But the first chapter um, that I read, oh, well, should we talk about the, the preface at all? Um, I got to be words. honest,
1: I don't remember the preface or chapter one or chapter two at this point.
0: Well, I like to read the preface because one, well, you you suggested I just read it all just to see if I would like it or not. But uh-huh. I remember uh, a lesson that I learned when I was in the high schools from a really great uh, teacher. They said, you can decide if you like a book or not by reading the preface um, or by reading the... Um, what's it called it's like the inside of the little book jacket yeah
1: the one on the front and the one on the back
0: yeah she's yeah, like read those all the way through before you read an entire book and that'll tell you right then and there if you're going to actually be able to
1: enjoy it i always read the prefaces i don't oh. know why even i buy them on kindles these days and i just it starts me at the preface or preface so mm-hmm. i just read
0: it big stuff
1: mm-hmm.
0: wow what's it like to sip your fancy wine cocktail and always read the preface ah wine sugar think you're better than me just kidding um well so i did read the preface i actually think it's i wanted to talk about a little bit because i like the questions and kind of like the way they suck into this book because it's kind of something that i feel like a lot of us probably think about but through a different lens that is more approachable and not as scary if
1: i remember the the intro and the and the two first chapters it does talk a bit about like uh don't worry don't be afraid of money yeah yeah and that was what i when i started reading that book i thought it would be good for you to read because mm-hmm. you do often talk about mm-hmm. how you mm-hmm. don't want to know about money. Money's scary. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. They want us mm-hmm. to
1: think money's scary. I don't know who they is whenever I say they. The... the Whoever. The capital T they. Some would say the patriarchy, right? But
0: well. <laughs> Yeah, we're cool moms. We say the patriarchy. Cool we
1: say the patriarchy.
0: Yeah, and the cool moms will destroy it with their wine cocktails and their book clubs, one page at a time. It's a scary
1: thing to learn about finance.
0: Yeah, money is scary. And I think I don't know. I feel like a lot of people that I talk to my age feel the same way. It might be this millennial thing because I feel like we maybe have talked about this before, but like we grew up in a time with like recessions, crazy crashes of economic crazy proportions. We're living through one right now. All this stuff with money is just insane Yeah, I don't know. and we're so right now. Right, like people our age i feel like are like uh money savings uh investing well, i'm so afraid of that because we're so used to things going south of money that we're like we just gotta hold on to anything we got um so i think like money is scary but they do talk about it they they one of the first questions they ask in the preface is like what's your relationship with money and a lot of what they described were like, you're probably like, I don't know what my relationship with money is. Next question. I don't want to talk about my money. I don't like that. Um, but yeah. it makes a good point because I it said money is oftentimes like your influencer and your enabler of good or evil.
1: Did you answer it in your I know you like to take notes when you read. Did you answer the question?
0: Uh, yeah. So I have like what's our what's your relationship with money is what i wrote down and like on the side i was just like question my question my question my i was just like uh, i don't know i don't even want to know. know well i don't i like what i said before i feel like my relationship with money is i grew up with a very smart mother mm-hmm. talking about cool moms my mother and and my father too but i just more so my mom comes out into my mind she was very good with her money in a sense that she planned ahead she researched investments like she she the one thing that blew me away when I was I, I didn't realize it when I was little, obviously. But when I got into college, she showed me how she paid for my college. And she what she did is she had bought. I, were they like CD, bonds?
1: CDs, I think you said
0: something where it was like these these bonds or pa- paper money or something like that. And if you cash them in, you could use you could use them to pay for things. Mm-hmm. And so she bought all of these and they invested. She kind of invested them and they. She just saved them in the bank and they, you know, accrued interest or did in or whatever. And eventually she would cash them. And that's how she basically paid for, well, not all of my college, pretty much a good chunk of it. I still had scholarships and I had to work, but like, it was, I was like blown away by that. And she started that when I was like, not even born. She was like, I'm having children. I better do this. And still to this day, like she'll, she'll help me with like money stuff. So I feel like when I was growing up, she really like kind of drilled saving into me my dad too like I remember him taking me to set up my first bank account he's like you need to have a savings and I was like 10 and he was like hey you're 10 now and people are gonna start giving you money for your birthday because you're getting older you should put it in a savings and I was like my picky bank he's like no this bank (laughs) this big bank over here
1: there's so much I want to talk about in uh-huh. all of that, because it's like the things that they were able to do, right? we can no longer do. I so, know. So a bond, we'll call it a bond that your mom had. Yeah. She probably had it at like, I don't know what year. So I'm just going to make up the numbers because I'm not that good. But we'll call it like a 10% bond, uh-huh. which is basically from the United States government. Yes. You loan them money. Yes. And they, over five or 10 years, will give that money back plus the interest. Yes. And today's rates... We're at like 1%, and that's why our bank's saving is almost pointless, because yeah. we can only... If if you don't use a bond, and you put it in a savings bank, you're only getting like 0.25% of your money on that. Yeah, because the
0: interest is so low.
1: The interest is low, Uh uh-huh. because... There's reason for that, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know how to get into that we'll too far. We'll talk about that. We, well, that'll it?
0: be in yes. the rest of the book. There's, like, inflation. There's all that stuff. We'll cool. talk about it. We'll talk about it. But, yeah, I get your point, and it's true. Like, And it's also – it just tells, like, the stories of a different time, right? Like, back then, like, saving was good, blah, blah, blah. Now it's like, mm, I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, that's what my relationship with money is, was, like, I'm squirreling it away. I'm just going to keep on squirreling nope. and saving, and I'm not – and, and once I have money, I don't like to spend it. I don't like to do anything with it. I I I feel like a lot of millennials have like buyer's guilt. Like I buy a sweatshirt for myself and like, oh my god, that was twenty five dollars. You know, oh, ca- you,
1: you do care about you care about money and you protect your money. You do a very good job with all that. You know, my last side note. You know that some countries have negative interest rates.
0: Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, and that's one thing that blew my mind with the history. So (laughs) this book talks about the history of money. And that's one thing that blew my mind with, like, we'll talk about that, obviously. But, yeah, it's craziness how, like, how much banks slash government gets away with, like, being like, oh, yeah, 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 we'll give you that money. We have that. And then it's like, no, you don't, you dirty, dirty liar. (laughs) And so.
1: We have to be careful what we say these days. Otherwise, we'll get, like, shadow banned. All (sighs) these banks and technology companies are just shutting people out.
0: It's insane. All
1: right, remind me when I'm talking ahead. You just throw something at me. You That's the always rule. Talk ahead. I know because it's You're just so, so interesting. No, it's the opposite of smart. No, no, no. It's, it's arrogance.
0: Um, <laughs> anyway, back to the preface our relationship with money. Now you know a little bit of my history of money. Um, basically, it kind of talked a little bit about the focus of this book, which is more so focused on our current, like, more modern day monetary system. Um, And then one thing that I think is interesting is that this book, like we mentioned before, we're taking you to Bitcoin Church. This book has a really cool tie between faith, um, Mm -hmm. particularly the Christian version. They do a lot of Bible quoting, which honestly, sometimes I'm like, "Mm, but this one, I like it. I like these Bible quotings. As a former uh, Christian camp counselor, I appreciate the, the Bible quote sometimes, I don't because a lot of the times nowadays they're taken out of context <laughs> and used for not good things mm-hmm. so but anyway this book uses it for really cool things and makes really good connections between like a faith-based practice of having a positive relationship with your faith but also having a positive relationship with your money um because its focus is more so on turning away uh uh yourself from worshiping money into really understanding what's important in life
1: yeah and on my end on my end a little less religious Mm -hmm. almost atheist
0: no i would call you agnostic i feel like you believe in a higher power but you're not like it's god like you know what i mean it's the space. So right, you're like I believe there's something out there, but I don't know what it is.
1: I thought it was fun to read the quotes. I mean, when I first got the book, I totally didn't know that there'd be that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but the quotes were fun to read since I've never read them, and I liked the, the, the breadth of the book. Yeah. Without the super super depth of the book. Yeah. Which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Nice and chunked.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, it's very well chunked. That's a good way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of chunks, let's get into the first one. Chapter one. So the preface, we already went through that. It's just a good little introduction of like, here's what this book is about. Let's break it down. Um, so they start by talking about how you understand money, like how, like understanding money, what it is, the history, where it comes from, why it's the way it is. Um, so they point blank start by saying like, we don't have a good understanding of money. Because we don't really know what is money, why does it exist, what is, like, it designed to do, how does it work. Like, we think we have these general ideas, but the way our money works nowadays is, like, such a, a what's it called, like a cloak and dagger type of, like... Don't look behind the big curtain, sort mm. of like
1: The Wizard of Oz.
0: Yes. Like, let me put this like it is like Oz. Like, let me put this glorious city in front of you, but don't come near the big guy. Don't the mind wizard. the guy don't
1: behind look. the curtain.
0: Right. And so there's there's just like this kind of, I don't know, almost mystery about money sometimes for some people. Um and,
1: it's not taught. It's yeah, not to no. be mystic.
0: Right. Um and there's a that's what they say like, there are massive incentives in keeping money obscure and keeping it complex and impossible to understand. And the powerful few that use the lack of knowledge to exploit the many was a quote that I wrote down from the first chapter that I thought was like, oh, shit. like I, they said that, and I was like, whoa, okay. And so, yeah, the powerful few use the lack of knowledge to exploit the many Mm, I thought that was, I was like, Oh my God, he go, he on X games mode. He's, (laughs) he's going for it. Um, or she, it was his, who's this? I didn't even look at who this is. There's a few
1: people, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a guy. Um, the main part.
0: So it was just really, I liked that it's, they start to talk about, we don't understand money. And a lot of the times, um, the reason our, or our relationship or the reason why we, use money or how we spend our money is related to either what we love and what we value as important Mm -hmm. or what we fear. So we buy things because we think we need them because if we don't have them, bad things will happen. Um, Or we buy them because we're like, oh, I really, really love this and it's important to me. I'm going to put money into this. Sure. Um, So money kind of expresses the value of the spender. So that's like, getting into the, not only understanding money, but I guess the relationships that people have with it. Um, and then they go on to say that money is like, uh, at least nowadays in our, our time and culture, is like a god. It requires a sacrifice. I and mean, then your sacrifice for money is work. Yeah. yeah. You sacrifice your time, your relationships, time. your sleep, your whatever, your your experiences to work. For money.
1: I agree. Time is a big piece of that puzzle, too, yeah.
0: And and that is something some of the time uh, that kind of creates this, uh, not divide, but this kind of weird dynamic between people and money, where money kind of takes over um, via work, right? Like, we, I mean, think about how many hours and times a day we spend working that we then are only doing for for money and then it's like well then we can't even enjoy the money because we're just constantly working
1: <laughs> right yeah there's 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 you're allowed just enough time someone there's a quote out there it's like you're allowed just enough time outside of work with just enough money to buy just enough toys that you'll never use or something like right. that.
0: right right yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so they make that point of like understanding money understanding your relationship with money um And then they, they started to dive into this idea of work with one, the kind of work you do matters. So just because we can do something lucratively doesn't mean we should, which I also thought was interesting. I feel like I've had this conversation with many people my age, um, or I've, I've talked to some, some people about this is, um, somebody, or maybe I saw a post or something where it said like people, young people between like 25 and 30 or so on don't have hobbies anymore because we don't see the point in spending time on making something if we can't make, make money, money off of it. Yeah. So like, crazy. Like why would I learn how to knit a scarf if I can't sell that scarf? It's crazy. And instead of doing things just to enjoy them, we need to, we need to do things to either benefit us monetary, monetarily with money or, We, we sort of like, why would I spend time on this if I can't make money out of it? Um, Yeah,
1: it's, it's kind of, it's sad.
0: So, and I, I think it's also interesting too, because we have that side, like of our relationship with money of like, I'm not going to do this unless I'm going to make money off of it. But we also have the other side with, I was thinking about like education, like I need to get this education to get this job to make money. Mm -hmm. Like I should do this work because it's lucrative, Not because it's something I should do and I want to do. It's because it's going to make me money. Mm -hmm. And it's just so interesting to me because I feel like I've met a lot of people in life that who struggle with that. And I think back to like even me being in high school at 18 and I was like, oh my God, I need to pick a major to do this thing, to do this thing, to get a job. And now there's probably kids who are like, I need to pick this major to do this thing so I can make x tons of money to do whatever which is so like i just thought it was interesting there is a
1: study and i'm gonna butcher this and we need to add it to the like footnotes of this yeah that has gone back like i don't know 40 years and they ask like two high schoolers what's the most important thing to you hmm And up into the, I don't know, the 70s or something or 80s, it was like one was like values and life goals and family. Mm -hmm. And over the time, it is those have trailed to like number seven and eight and nine. And number one is now making money. Wow. Um, And
0: those are teenagers. Like you think about people coming into our world and the values that they have. And it's like, it's
1: it's a rat race because there's a huge reason. It's because money to values and you have to keep getting more to keep up
0: yeah and and that's one thing i remember being in college one time actually this reminds me you saying that um i remember being in college and when i was in college i had a job as a gallery tech and i would one part of my like gallery tech job was like doing uh art receptions where you would have like little snacks out for the artists that was showing their show so i would like set up the table and stuff like that and then people from the public would come to enjoy this show and the gallery and So I would talk to them and it was nice. And I remember one gentleman um, who was coming to see whatever art show was like, oh, what are you majoring here at this this fine uh, establishment? And I was like, I'm, I'm majoring to be an art teacher. Yeah. And, um, I was like, our education. Um, and he was like, oh, it's not very lucrative, is it? And I was like, what the hell? And I was like, "I was like, no, fair enough, that's okay. But in my mind, I was like, uh, excuse me, sir. I'm not doing teaching because I think it's going to make me money. I know it's not going to make me jack on the money side of things. Uh, but that's not the purpose of why I want to do it. Good, sir. Yeah. Um. But that was like the first time I ever had somebody, you know what I mean? Like that was the first time I ever thought about like, oh, shoot, like, I am I making the right choice of doing this job because I'm not going to make a lot of money? But then I realized, like, I was like, I don't care. I like teaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, That's good. Um, yeah. But it's, I never, you know, I never thought of job as something that was lucrative. But now I can see young people, like, now being a teacher and teaching young people, I see that their thought process is, I'm going to do blah, 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 so I can get money. hmm and be or be famous that's like the thing they care about now is either being rich or being famous yeah
1: same thing is like you, you go out and you meet someone new their first question is what do you enjoy doing it's what do you do for a living
0: yeah because mm-hmm. they want
1: to they want to compare themselves right off the bat right it's purely what that question is
0: yeah it's just it's uh, it's crazy that that's kind of taken over a thought process
1: yeah where are we at are we still in the preface
0: No, we're in the first chapter and we're talking about uh, relationships and understanding of money. So the first thing with when we talked about uh, understanding money and the relationship with money was like sacrifice. Money's like a God. We sacrifice for it. Sacrifice is our work. The first thing of work that they broke down was the kind of work you do matters. So um, they found that like people don't want to do things unless they're lucrative. The second thing was uh, the motivation for making money matters. So are you trying to make money because you think it brings you happiness? So I wrote here, money does not equal joy. Um, <laughs> which is what they say, like think of, think about this, like your relationship with money shouldn't be a replacement of of uh almost like your faith. Like you're putting your faith into the money instead of something else. Mm. Because money will fail you essentially. I mean, if you think about it. Um, or it's just gonna be a never ending spiral. But I thought it was interesting that they like, their motivation for making money matters. Why are you doing the work, this sacrifice that you're doing, basically? Are you doing it because, you know, is your motivation because you just want the money? Or is it, I don't know. Is, there, is what, what you're motivating yourself to do, this sacrifice and this work for, worth it? Like, because if your motivation for making the money is something like, I want to make this amount of money by having this job and sacrificing all this time and, and blah, 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 because I want to... Have a better life for my children. Yeah, you know, like putting that into perspective can help you understand your money because then, it kind of helps to define the relationship with like what do you do with your money then. So,
1: totally, I agree with that. It's like uh, putting yourself in the driver's seat versus being in the passenger seat. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, the third part of like your your uh, relationship slash understanding um, with work in relation to work number three was the type of money we use has consequences on those who use it. And that was like kind of a part I was really a little bit confused about. Um, Like all money is not equal. Money is more so, we have to think of it as a tool. Yeah. Uh, Money is a poorly designed tool, they said, um, because it has immoral ends and this design affects people. Like the design of money that we have now because uh, it's it's such a it's such a difficult resource, right? Of people who have and have not, and then the people who have control over money, like how they use it and spend it and circulate it, and blah blah blah. Like how that affects people that don't have money. Yeah. Um, that was the part. This is this number three was when I was a little confused about the type of money we use has consequences on those who use it, um, and I don't know if that's just because of the type of money we use with like fiat money as.
1: Most, most it talks about it further down the book so yeah we can get there but like it, it's a weird world the there's the have the have-nots and you're seeing the separation more and more yes and you can't have this fiat money system without debt like if everyone paid off their debts the money wouldn't really work right so mm-hmm. it's not it's truly not a fair system yeah there's we can go deeper but i continue to do go too deep so i'm going to pause
0: okay um so that was just the first few bits with like work and money. Uh, then they brought this brought forth this idea of something called the anti-entropic principle. So it's expressed through our daily work and voluntary exchanges. So the more trading we do means the more collaborating, the more creating, and the more community building. Mm-hmm. So trade kind of I don't know, I guess drives our not existence, but interactions I guess I'm not sure um so I that's another part where I was kind of like I don't know about this part because I'm not really sure what the point of this is but um I guess if we break down entropic entropy your favorite thing (laughs) would you like to tell the good people Ben?
1: oh I'm not going to be great at answering that right off the bat um it's uh it's disorder I think entropy comes from Things fall apart. Thermodynamics, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's like the third law of it. Yeah. And things like if, uh, the example I always use is you can, you fix your sock drawer, sock drawer right? You clean it and you put everything in perfect spot. Mm-hmm. And then through the week you're going to work, you're pulling stuff out, you're finding the different socks, and by the end of the week you look at it, it's all in disarray.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what entropy is. Hmm. Yeah. Things so fall apart. Things fall
1: apart. Yeah.
0: So they were talking about the anti-entropic principle. So trying not to have things fall apart. So keeping things going, keep trading, keep moving, keep adding more and more and more. Okay. Talk us a little bit more about like our relationships with money, understanding money. Uh, one quote I wrote down, they had, you cannot serve both God and money, which came from Matthew six twenty four. Mm. So again, that whole idea of like, what do you serve and what serves you in return? Mm. And why do you build certain relationships with certain things, which mm. I thought was interesting Interesting. Um,
1: So, like, you either serve money or money serves you. Yeah. Yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, which I thought was kind of interesting, knowing a little bit about Bitcoin already Mm -hmm. and thinking about, like, your relationship with, like, standard, just normal paper, money, like, what we might have um, in Bitcoin, where it's, like, I feel like there's more community in Bitcoin. There's more, I don't know, not hard work, but, like, different work in Bitcoin um, which we'll also get into a little bit more too. Yeah. Um, but I just thought it was interesting about money serving you. Like the difference
1: would be, Bitcoin is a is a place to save and grow your money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas if you try to save and grow your fiat, you actually lose value. Yes. So that's the so it's you have to keep going after it. Mm-hmm. So you're serving it, mm-hmm. whereas the other way around. Bitcoin should gain value over time and be a great place to keep your money.
0: Which makes it feel like it has like this anti-entropic principle, right? Uh And it's for you. apart. It's not
1: falling apart. Like dollar, US dollars are degrading Degrading, in value. Right. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. That's
1: a good way to put that together.
0: Yeah. That was the connection. Anyway. um, So talking more about relationships and understanding money, uh, they kind of made a cool point about how how we associate what we associate with money. Uh, So this idea of money and why it's held to such a high esteem and why people love it want it need it is because it represents freedom for some people it represents happiness for mm-hmm. some people self-worth um i also wrote like this wasn't in the the book but i also wrote like um like status like <laughs> how people like what you said like how people see you a
1: lot of right, yeah, of course.
0: right? Yes. like uh and and uh i guess more so even like it, it's it's almost like a passport to me to living i mean you think i think i, re, I was i was reading this i was f- reflecting on this idea of like haves and have not and how many resources are not available to you if you don't come from a place of affluence um and sometimes that's because of money and sometimes it's because of education and it's or it's just because of like the systemic problems that we have in our world but it was just interesting that i can see like so many people associating Freedom, happiness, self worth, status, blah, blah blah, with money, but in so many different ways, yeah. which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so this relationship that we have, we kind of talked about this a little bit already. They asked this question of like, should money serve us? Mm. So, so we don't want to be worshiping, obsessing, working, and sacrificing for money. We should see money as a gift. We should have. You know, money is something that is—I don't know—the relationship is changing, right? Like, yeah, with ourselves and money.
1: Money is becoming a status symbol instead of just simply a tool, right? Right, right. It's a tool. It's no different than a screwdriver.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's just a means to an end. Mm-hmm. It gets you the things you need or want.
0: Yes, this is true. Yeah, it so, gets you to certain points that you want to be at. In life.
1: Well, that's right now. Yeah, right now in the status symbol world, it does. But right. uh, if you break it down to the bare minimum, it's just, it it levels us up from having to do barter. Mm-hmm. And all it is is a tool to give me what I need to trade. To, tr- to trade. Yeah.
0: Yeah. um
1: Medium of exchange. Yep.
0: Yeah. So they raise this question of money should serve us. um And then it starts to go into this idea of, I guess, not the making of money. That's more so in the second chapter but kind of like this this idea of like money's creation and how we accrue it how we get it and things like that so um one thing they said that i put little hearts all around it was god created us to oh god created us and he wants uh or she they uh god created us and wants to share the responsibility of creating with us Mm. So God was like, "Listen, I made you perfectly <laughs> and wonderfully. You are beautifully and wonderfully made." That's Thank another you. Bible verse. Thank um, you. Uh, fearfully, beautifully, wonderfully made. I made you. And God was like, "Listen, I'm going to make these humans, right? And I'm going to give them ability to make things too."
1: Yeah.
0: Isn't that nice? Uh huh. Isn't that so nice? Sure. That certainly. God is. wanted that for us. I like that. Okay. Thanks. I like that. I just wanted to say that. So I drew a lot of hearts around that. Um, So from that idea of like creation, making money, how we make money, the work, um, this idea kind of goes into like your work becomes your growth. You reap what you sow. Uh Right. So then he they get into this idea. And this is kind of another area where we can, I think, is an interesting part to talk about because it kind of goes back to things we already talked about with like double spending and third party Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, This idea between work versus theft. So work is defined as like what we do to create something of value for ourselves and for others. It's creative, it adds value. Mm -hmm. Theft, obviously, right? Bad, not good. It's taking something of value from (laughs) others. It's Uh destructive, it dissolves trust, bad, okay? So this this relationship of work versus theft. So how does money fit into work Uh then? Um, so it fits into work through community, right? The functions on voluntary exchange trade. Uh-huh. So having voluntary exchange is where we circulate, create this pool of of money, uh-huh. right? So money is that tool that measures the value of work. And money is, we have it as security and safety, like savings. Um, the tool of the value in work becomes like the worth of specialization, yeah. where we start to talk about like, with your work, how much, you know, why does, you know, this investment maker obviously is going to make blah, 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 blah money more than me, a teacher. Why? Because of the specialization of work. Okay. Where's the value in what you're doing and why? Um, What's
1: the value of taking money and making more money? Right. Know? Exactly. Yeah.
0: And and this kind of process is what helps to build a successful community. But it's just kind of like, okay, to what end?
1: It's imbalanced right now.
0: Right. Yeah. To what end and at what cost? Right. Uh-huh. Uh, you see about like the turnover rate in education, people become teachers. And then in four years, they're not teachers anymore really? because either they don't make enough money or they're not appreciated or they just it's burnout or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I thought I was interesting with this idea of of kind of connecting work to this, the kind of bigger picture.
1: Part of the don't steal part, right?
0: Theft. Yeah. This idea of work versus theft.
1: Yeah, You're trading your time. Mm hmm for money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then secretly
0: mm-hmm.
1: that money that you got is slowly taken away behind the scenes without you really realizing it.
0: Yes. Yeah. Because this is where we start. to that idea segues into this, uh, how money is designed. So we have these moral monetary systems where your money is earned through voluntary work. And then we have these immoral mon- monetary systems where money is taken involuntarily. Um, and so you have this this idea of now theft is basically like stealing your work. Yeah. Right? Like and and not even just a sense of like taking physical objects or things or money. It's more so a sense of like, hey, I worked hard for that. Yeah. And and now because of XYZ, I don't have it. Um
1: you, you trade your you trade your current time mm-hmm. for money mm-hmm. so that your future time can be more relaxed. Yes. Right? But all through that process, that money that you traded your time for becomes M- more worthless yes if that's the right way to put it and so the work that you did then right was actually degraded
0: yes and yeah. and so it's essentially it's stealing your work it's stealing, which is your time and your sacrifices that you've made
1: what's the only scarcity that we as humans actually have time time
0: mm-hmm. yeah. um, they made they also made a point in a quote that i wrote down they said the ideal money would make honest work easy and theft difficult and i circle it and i wrote an arrow and i was like the bits that essentially is what bitcoin is to me right i think about honest notes honest work (laughs) my best friends i love the honest notes it (laughs) just i just have like this pixar dream inside my head of honest notes being these tiny little robots that are like yes this is good This is good work. It is honest. Pass it along. We should take a
1: weekend and set up a Raspberry Pi of an honest node for you, so you own a Raspberry Pi honest node.
0: Great! I love these honest nodes. Yeah. Can I name him Wally? (laughs) Sure. Great. Um, Don't
1: don't tell Disney.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I won't tell Disney anyway. uh, Disney, close your ears. Anyway, um, so I just liked that because it's kind of like they're starting to like kind of ease you into this. Uh, idea of bitcoin by first like defining all the reasons why
1: the current system sucks right yeah.
0: which i thought was just great and and i like how they're like you know if we have like good money then it- we would want stuff to be really hard, right? And you're like, yes, I don't want you to take my time. I don't want you to steal my work. Uh-huh. Yeah, that sucks. Um, so I just thought that was really honest work and difficult. And that's kind of the end of chapter one. Good. Um, was just kind of, they're starting to introduce money's design. And chapter two is the history of money. So they go on with the history of money to break down uh, the role of money throughout history, trade throughout history, the different property of money, Uh it's it's kind of like really understanding where we've come from and where we are now.
1: This is chapter two.
0: Chapter two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they first by kind of start off by uh, re-establishing like this idea of like what is the role of money and quote unquote the design. So it's a tool for trade, and it solves the problem of trade. <clears throat> so when we break down trade, there's three problems that arise in this this action of trade there's a problem of scale, there's a problem of location, and there's a problem of time. Mm-hmm. So like throughout history, we used to trade things that either were too big to move or too heavy,
1: Yeah.
0: Um, or they were far away. We had to transport all our gold from this rich king to the peasants, true. Uh, and it was far away, so the security of making sure that gold got to where it was going was hard, so location was a problem. And then time, like, right? Like if it takes forever for the king to get the gold to the peasants, they might starve and not have money to pay for whatever. Like, so time, scale, location. Um, and that's what kind of this this realm of trade just created a need for money. We, we needed something that would be consistent uh, and that would be usable. That was something that could help make trade efficient. Um, so... When they broke down this idea throughout history of the properties, money, after all this conundrum with trade, um, they decided, like, in order to solve the problem of scale, it needs to be divisible. You need to make it into smaller parts, right? So it's easier to distribute. It's easier. Uh, it's not one big thing like a gold bar, right? It's mm-hmm. many gold coins, yeah. right? Uh, it needs to be portable. So that saves the time of location, right? It makes it easier to move it around from place to place if it's not a giant heavy gold bar uh-huh. <laughs> again um it needs to be durable so that solves the time thing right it's not going to degrade it's yeah. not like physically not going to fall apart and degrade mm-hmm. um and then they also talked a little bit about like throughout more of, of time and history it needs to be easily recognizable we need to see whatever it is and know like that is this amount right yes and it needs to be scarce um and obviously it needs to be scarce because then people won't want it it won't have as much value unless it's scarce, right? We've talked about that before. Yeah, Scarcity creates want. <laughs>
1: yes. It creates yes. It creates value. Yes, creates value because it makes it hard to get.
0: Exactly. Um, so they go into this idea uh, after kind of going into the breakdown of like how money essentially came to be mm-hmm. of the history of money. So uh, we start by weighing money uh, where we try to determine the value by weight. Yeah. And then that's where gold came in. Yeah. And gold, we were like, "Oh wait, gold is good because yeah. it has all of these properties that we like about money." Yes. Um, and then, after we decided gold was good, uh, creating this quote-unquote gold standard, we went into minting coins. Yeah. So that's just like a timeline. Yeah. Uh, and then they dive deep into that timeline but, about all the different parts. And
1: minting helped with uh, recognizability, right?
0: Yes, yeah. and and even scarcity and durability and at the a, time
1: and divisibility.
0: Yes. Um, so. The reason why they kind of talk about like the properties of money, how it was made, blah blah blah, is because there's this idea with a uh, this this idea about debasement of money. So in the past, we had money that would fall apart, or we'd have people who would make f- fake money essentially, yeah. And that money, those coins weren't actually worth whatever because they had little chips in them, yeah. Or they like. Used something to like put a cover over this metal to pretend like it was a gold coin when it wasn't um and this idea of debasement basically also introduced this idea of theft again too right this idea of people getting away with not giving you the value of what you earn or should have yeah um so it
1: was it was partly legal theft and illegal theft. Exactly. Like um, a merchant could chip off a little of the gold. Yes. And no one could actually tell that it was a different piece of gold. And right. then re it, meld it together. Yeah. Um, but then also the, the, the kings and the oligarchy used to do that. Oh, dang it, I'm ahead of myself.
0: No, you're not. You just hit the next point where they said government. So this idea of debasement leads way into theft. And when you lead way into theft, like their point in this book with this idea of like this morality of money it leads into using money for evil, so the government can steal money through debasement, yeah, right? It yeah. can, it can because this is no longer worth as much. We can take more of it. They
1: wouldn't look at it as stealing, but no, I totally agree with you. Um, they look at it as a way to be able to pay for more stuff. Yes, and they can justify it by saying it's for the people. Exactly, but it's a long over the long tail. The people's money that they currently have actually degrades and it becomes this endless reinforcing circle where they then have to debase more to pay for the social stuff that they have to give to them
0: right because it even though you have this debasement you still are promising money you know right and left uh-huh. that people will collect eventually right? uh-huh.
1: um so it benefits them because yes. they're able to debase it for themselves right and it does not and, and the, what was the saying earlier but it's a it's stealing from the, the general public
0: right theft yeah. Bad. <laughs> so um, so they talk about that just through the history of money. One thing they really focused on was this idea, this idea of um, how we started to understand value of money. And uh-huh. the first thing they really touched on was gold and the quote unquote gold standard. Uh-huh. Creating a value of a currency. Obviously, we can't lug gold around because it's very heavy. But gold, you know, is rare. It's scarce. It won't deteriorate gold uh mined is still is part of existing still a part of existing supply so all the gold that's been mined is still a part of an existing supply that is around in
1: circulation yeah and that's, there's only they, so much of it they call that the stock yes
0: yes um and then it's interchangeable and malleable we can melt gold down and turn it into other things
1: yeah but it still stays at the same amount so it's right still exactly worth the same value. so
0: it's it's still it's divisible right it's portable if we div- make it divisible it's durable because it it's won't deteriorate. It's recognizable because it's freaking gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's scarce. Yeah. So
1: And we can't create it out of thin air.
0: Right, exactly. And this, again, made me think of Bitcoin, where it's like, only this many will ever be mined by this time. And yeah. that's it.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Done. Um, <laughs> Done. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting. They brought up gold st- standard. And that's kind of like what then in turn um, started to started to create value, essentially. Like, what is hard to produce is what has more value.
1: Well, yeah, the people started... M- money is what everyone decides to use together. Yes. Right? And so because people started seeing these properties, they started utilizing it, and it just became the, the the median of exchange at that time. Right. It's what they found worked.
0: Right. And, I mean, like, when you're talking about value, like, we went through from a system, even from even chapter one, we talk about specialization, where it used to be, like... Hey, you can grow so many apples, buddy. That's great. And I need apples, but I only know how to build houses. Yeah. But for you to give me enough apples for the amount of time they'll take me to build you a house, like, mm, it's not going to work. Right. And so that's this, funny
1: because it's got the time preference in there. Exactly. It doesn't, the apples won't last forever.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can give you 20 bajillion apples, but by the time you're done building my house, half of them are going to be mm-hmm. rotten yeah. and I won't be able to grow more of them to give to you to make up for that. It's just, there's, it's doesn't work anymore. Very true. Um, so that's when this like whole money design comes into play. And then we try to start to design this idea of like how much it's worth and what it, what it means for it to be worth that. Um, so from that gold standard and value, they started talking about something called network effects mm. of in, in the history of money. So, uh, from what I gathered from that, the more users, the better. Um, And this is where, like, network effects starts to go into this idea of, like, banks happening and and occurring. Um, So when we had our old forms of money with these gold coins, these coins or whatever it might be, it kind of came into a hard to play because um, you have to have a place to store all this money, right? Keep all your coins. And... And if you're making transactions with other people and trade, and you have this guy over here who needs this amount of coins, and this guy over here this one of coins, but you're in the middle and they're you know far away.
1: That's that's as larger like as global trade became more important. Yes, that became more important, and like network effect, just to explain it is a huge is a huge uh, it's a big I don't know sentiment in technology and and investing, and like a good example is. Um, a telephone actually has network effect. Mm-hmm. If you're the only person on the planet that has a telephone, it's not very worthwhile, right? Right. But if 30 more people get a telephone, it becomes more important. Mm-hmm. And if everyone on the planet has a telephone, it becomes super important because you can get in touch with anyone. Right. So that's kind of what they're talking about. So now we're evolving from like living within a a certain, or serfdom
0: mm-hmm.
1: of... Kings and oligarchies and just trading within and now moving between
0: yes. multiple
1: ones and having to trade that between. Okay. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So this network effects is like if if England wanted to trade with France, mm-hmm. right? Um, so this is where this idea of obviously the banks kind of come into play. This is where we're developing like the bank of England, the yeah. bank of whatever, because that's how we're storing and managing our trade. So they started talking about this idea of bank notes. Yes. And this thing called fractional reserve banking, which I feel like we talked about this when we were talking about uh, uh, inflation deflation. When we were, remember we were looking at those weird examples know. where it's like this person puts a thousand dollars in this bank, they keep this much, and this is the ten percent, and blah blah blah. Yeah, that's what this reminded me of.
1: It is. It yeah. is. They're jumping a bit here. Like banknotes were fine. Did they explain what banknotes were?
0: Yeah. So the banknotes were basically like almost like a, a piece of paper that said like you have this much, amount of money.
1: You have you, this amount of money.
0: We have this here.
1: matches how much gold you have in the yes.
0: bank. Yes, yes.
1: Which means that I could take that bank And cash it. And bring it and get that exact same amount of gold. Yes. Which was which was totally fine because it solved two things. Mm-hmm. divisibility, Right. And it also solved time because yes. I was able to, tr- it's much easier to have paper in my wallet. Right. Does it talk about this?
0: Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it talks about it's much easier to carry around pieces of paper because then I could give that banknote to somebody else and say, like, take this here and show them this banknote and you have your money.
1: So all that's fine. So that's still considered the gold standard. Yeah. Except we're just using paper as a IOU to the gold.
0: And yeah, and they said that was fine until it turned into fractional reserve banking. And fractional reserve banking is when they take those banknotes and your gold coins and they you you give them the gold coins and they give you the banknote. But then they take your gold coins and take 10 of them and give them to Susie. And twenty of them, and give them to blah blah blah. Pretty much. And yeah. then you all of a sudden are going back. You're like, hey, what happened to my, blah You know, twenty five bucks. And they're like, uh, well, we gave it away.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so lending more, this leads to this problem of lending more money than they hand, which then they had, which reminds me of double spending.
1: Which creates like a, which creates a huge risk, right? Right. So you can put in a hundred dollars of gold, mm-hmm. and then they are able to fractionally reserve that out to like nine hundred dollars of gold. Yes. But only one hundred dollars of gold is seriously sitting in that bank. Yeah. And now, if all of those ninety people came to get the money, mm-hmm. that would be called a bank run and
0: they, bankruptcy.
1: There it is. They yeah. don't have enough. A bank run, and they don't have enough gold in there to give it back.
0: Yep, yep. So that's this network affects this trickle down of like how basically we have our monetary system, um, and so this segues into central bank. So these are banks for banks, is mm-hmm. what I could understand from this. That's
1: exactly what they are.
0: And then they also said, like, this is central banks, banks for banks, and this is where your idea of theft comes back in. Government stealing, suspending uh, convertibility. This part I was a little, like, I don't know, kind of a little confused about. Um they talk about the central banks. They break things down. Um, the central banks kind of goes on through history. They create a debt based money, basically, which is introduction to fiat currency. Um, and then fiat currency, kind of equals what I wrote: down, limitless inflation. Mm-hmm. Inflation leads to dilution into worthlessness.
1: That is exactly what we are going through
0: right now. Yep. And and they kind of like went through time, like in nineteen forty four. You think about uh what we were just out of or not just out of but like world war ii and like all Mm -hmm. this craziness going on we we kind of established this gold standard in the u.s dollars to gold
1: we had had gold standard for a while before that but yeah
0: yeah but we were using it more so because we were we were taking money from other nations and you know like our alliances oh you know what i mean
1: Yes. So like, I know what you're getting to. Yeah. yes, we were we were storing gold. We were storing gold yes. everywhere. We were yes. becoming the main country that had the most inventory yes. of gold,
0: and that's why like U.S. became like one of the most like powerful nations. That's
1: exactly why we took the power from the euro.
0: Yeah. Um, so we have that happening, and then in 1971, um, the this is something I wrote down, and again I'm, I don't know what it is, or it, I can't quite remember. It has broke peg to gold
1: we broke the gold standard. Yes. So, remember how we talked that I could bring $20 and get $20 of gold or 1 ounce of gold? Mm-hmm. We that no law. So, the US uh, I cannot remember the name of the 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 Bretton Woods agreement mm-hmm. might have been what it was called where the entire world agreed that the US dollar and you know you called what did you call it a, a gold paper reserve What'd you call that? A banknote. A banknote. Mm-hmm. The U.S. dollar basically became the banknote to gold. Yes. And so,
0: via central bank x, This idea of banks for banks.
1: Exactly. So x amount of dollars
0: mm-hmm.
1: equaled x amount of gold. Yes. And in 1971, we did. It actually happened twice in 1933 or something around there. Uh huh. W- was the first time during the war that we wanted to. It's always the wars, right? This endless yes. amount of money. There's such a. There's a fun oh this isn't fun is a terrible fact about after after we basically attempted to break and started being able to print Mm -hmm. a limitless amount of money Mm -hmm. the amount of deaths skyrocketed from war from like a hundred thousand to millions and like in the last century the amount of deaths is three times I'm making these numbers up right it's like three times the history of of human history
0: wow (laughs) right it's crazy
1: but that's because in, in a in a sound money environment the government can only collect money through taxes. Yes. And then they have to basically propaganda us to believe that there's a reason for this war.
0: Or, or that we should be paying for it.
1: Same. Both right. the same. They yeah. propaganda us to make us believe to pay for it through yes. taxes. Yes. Then they found this loophole where they can deflate our money, inflate away, inflate the amount of things that... Price right the inflate away the amount of pricing inflating our dollars
0: on on resources on resources Mm -hmm.
1: which then allowed them to take that inflation they would print for themselves and they'd go ahead and do whatever the hell they want so that's Mm -hmm. why we've we've been in wars forever yeah um not to be political but so where were we on that we were talking about
0: it's it that's basically the end of the chapter is is introduction the last part. Of history of money is this push from
1: and breaking the peg?
0: Yeah, is mm-hmm. this this idea of central banks and how we're alluding into government stealing, spending convert or suspending convertibility from you know those banknotes and stuff? Like we suspended that, right? That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty and, much and creating a debt based money. So no
1: longer were we were we saying that you could you could bring your dollars and re- and convert it to, to gold? Right. We were saying. That, now the word is, that's when fiat basically became mm-hmm. the gold standard, which fiat stands for de- we decree, mm-hmm. which basically means we tell you how much All this days. is worth. Mm-hmm. And so now there's a there's a thing that says money printer go burr. <laughs> Have you seen this meme? Mm-mm. It just says money printer go burr. That's what we're doing right now. Like we just printed, we're about to print 1. 9 mil, billion trillion more dollars right now mm-hmm. from Biden oh. into the world. Now, if we were backed by... Gold, we wouldn't be able to do that because there's not that much gold right. for us to print off to of. To do that. So we are now in this. <laughs> there's two fun facts. I can't remember what they are. But I think since Bitcoin came out, mm-hmm. we've we've printed 70 per, 70% of the money yes. in circulation. Mm-hmm. And the other fun fact is this last year, we've printed 35% of the U.S. dollars in circulation.
0: And meanwhile, the reason like us printing that money is actually making the the worth of it go down.
1: And that's just simple supply and demand. Yeah. If there's a lot more money in the environment, we we're not going to feel it. There's a mm-hmm. lag, right? Because first that money has to get given to the banks. Mm-hmm. Then the banks have to fractionally reserve. Mm-hmm. Give that to who's going to get that? Right. Giant companies. Who or war. Who they're willing, yeah. <laughs> who they're willing to give? Who they're willing to give? loans to, because Mm -hmm. loans are risky right now, Mm -hmm. right? And so then they get it. They start buying a tremendous amount of supplies to make stuff that we don't even know if these things are what people want right now. Right. And then people start buying all those things and then inflation just tail rates out.
0: Yep. Well, that's that's a perfect segue because that's what Chapter three is all about is inflation. And that's
1: what you're getting um, into.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. The the last part of I just wanted to read this last part. The last part of Chapter two says since breaking its peg to gold in 1971, the U.S. dollar has lost over 96 percent of its relative value.
1: Yeah, that's it's actually crazy if that's true. I didn't know it's it was 19, more. I didn't know it was from nineteen seventy, which means it just
0: because
1: from what I knew, it was like nineteen thirteen. it lost ninety six percent, so that means like even even greater than I realized. Yeah.
0: So and yeah, they say this is due to one of the disastrous effects of the prevailing financial system inflation,
1: which is crazy. So if a gumball in nineteen seventy one cost a dollar, uh, cost a penny, a pen? yeah, now it costs like five bucks. Yeah it's crazy
0: yeah we hear that comparison all the time like the, i feel like i've heard my dad say it's like you used to be able to go i've heard your dad say i used to go go get a cheeseburger for 49 cents yeah but i think what's good about it's the internet
1: is now people bucks. are realizing it right that that's actually not great
0: no because it's, it's it's debt too like the re, we also you have to think of this not only in the in idea of like the trade system that we're setting forth and this community of money that we are interacting with you also have to think about like the crazy amount of debt that creates like this is all of this money that now we are in in this monetary system is it's a debt-based system
1: yeah and who pays the debt someone has to pay the debt and that's the scary scary part and it's it's what they say is it's kicking it down the road they're kicking the can down the road and they're just gonna continually print more
0: yeah the end so those are the first two chapters You of book. look
1: very nervous right now about this.
0: Well, the next chapter is inflation and that's what I'm nervous about because I feel like I'll probably have... I feel like this one I talked a lot because I got so much information, I but I feel the, like this next chapter, it. Yeah. this next chapter, I'm going to be like, what is happening? Because inflation is where my brain goes, doo, doo, like shuts it's, down. Because <laughs> I um, Cause yeah. I'm just like, I, I get it, but I also, it makes me so angry that I'm like, I don't understand
1: <laughs> that's good no this was good because i got to just listen the whole time when you asked me questions i wasn't even ready so it that's okay out.
0: i thought i think it's it's kind of fun because then it's like we're just having like a book a book talk
1: it was fun well hopefully everyone enjoyed this i think yeah we stay, did, oh sorry go ahead nothing we did under an hour we did well
0: wow uh stay tuned friend because uh we're going to be doing um more of this we'll be reading i'll well i'll be reading ben's already read this book yes Oh yeah, uh, I'll be reading uh, the next two chapters, so chapter three and four, uh, and we'll talk about them again together. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone. Maybe next time we'll have another uh, fancy wine cocktail. <laughs> Should we just make this a thing?
1: Sure. Yeah. Cool. S- probably less sugar for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I probably can, not a good mix for I you. Can feel it. Oh boy. Alrighty. Well, thanks, friends, for tuning in to our two sets. We'll see you next time.
1: Later.